<laughs> All right, let's just pray and then we'll jump straight into it. Um, I think the songs that were chosen, um, unbeknown to Ross, are going to speak into where God wants to take us today. So, Father, I do pray that you would just have your way in our hearts. Lord, I know I often pray that you would drop something within us that would change us, rearrange some thinking that would stretch us. Lord, that would leave us looking more like your son, Jesus. Father, however we walked in today, I pray as we walk out, we would more, look more like him. So, Lord, do your work. Thank you that we can come together in this place. Thank you that we can challenge each other. Thank you that we can support each other. Thank you that we're not only family, we are your family. And, Lord, we thank you for that gift and that privilege and that honour. And everyone said, Amen. So here's a thought that I have, because as Ros mentioned, I've been talking about being joyful, full of joy. And for me, being full of joy is living in eternal life now, eternal life being to know him. And to know him is to know him personally, intimately, closely. It left me with a question that said, how well do I know him? Do I really know him? Because depending on how we know him depends on how we answer this particular question, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? How often have any of us actually stopped and sat and asked the question, is Jesus enough? I, I, I love that song that you know, we sang that says we can't get enough. You know, I, I, I like social media. I occasionally like to stir the pot on social media. I like to point, point out when people are being what I consider to be, just my opinion, not very Christ-like in their condemnation of others. You know, let's elevate the way that we think. The whole point, though, is with everything that you read and see is if Jesus is truly enough, it'll determine how we act. It'll determine what we do. Um, it'll determine pretty much just about everything. So I, I'm going to run through a couple of things that God's been challenging me with, and we'll see where we go. Is that all right? All right. So let's see. Let me, I'm just doing a bit of reading at the moment, so I, I get my thoughts because God was downloading a little bit during a couple of those, those songs, you know. We can't get enough, we can't get enough, we can't get enough. We can get enough, but if we're truly hungry, we can't get enough. Does that make, you know, does you understand that? Um, which is where I was going and why I mentioned social media. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me. I'm tired of people saying, you know, you talk about the more of God, we've got everything that we, we need. It's true, we have everything that we need. But you put a kid in McDonald's and they never eat enough. They always want more. If you're out at someone's house that's a really good cook, you don't want what they've given you. You actually want more after that. There's something within you. If you've got something that you like, you want more. Having not enough of God isn't because there's not enough of him and it's not because we don't have all of him that, that we can carry. It's because I just love what I want. I actually want more. And that's why Jabez prays, you know, let's move these tent pegs. I want a greater capacity to experience more of God because what I'm experiencing is phenomenal, yeah? So is Jesus enough? I don't think we can answer that until we can actually, until all of us have an idea of who he is for us. Is he Lord for us? Is he our confidant? Is he our friend? Is he our, only our saviour? Is he our Lord? Is he our healer? You know, who, who is he to us? There's this great um, and old Hillsong song 
It's really hard saying Hillsong song. It doesn't sound right, does it? So it should probably say there's this great song from Hillsong. But it's called Christ is Enough for Me. I don't know how many of you remember it, but it starts off and it's Christ is my reward, all of my devotion. There's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. And then they have this thing called a pre-chorus. Go with it. I'm not musically inclined and know how they write songs, but the words are, through every trial my soul will sing, no turning back, I've been set free. Yeah. So I... I want to look at just those lyrics for a minute. Christ is my reward. Is he our reward? Is he your reward? Like, is he your reward? Is he something that you've received that is so phenomenal that you see it as a prize, as a gift? The Bible talks about the pearl of great price. Is he our pearl of great price? Is he our hidden treasure? Matthew 13, verse 44 and 45, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in the field. In his excitement, he did it again and sold everything he owned. He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. This is this man's experience of the kingdom of God, yeah? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great price, he sold everything he owned and bought it. I'm just going with the lyrics of the song, yeah? So is he your hidden treasure? Is he your pearl of great price? Is he really your reward? The next line says, in all of my devotion, he is all of our devotion. We're not talking about singing here. This isn't about all of our devotion. Lord, I just come and I'm just going to sing all day. I'm just going to devote myself in prayer all day. Is he all of your devotion? Devotion in the dictionary actually means love, loyalty, enthusiasm for a person. Is he all of those things for you, for me? Is he all of those things? Not just our religious daily devotions. Now, there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. <laughs> there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy the lines of that song. Is Jesus enough? Is he the one that in this world is the only thing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening, no matter where we're at, no matter our age, no matter our income, no matter children at home away, is he the only one that satisfies? Through every trial, my soul will sing. That's hard to sing when you're going through trial and tribulation, isn't it? But these are words of a song. They're really powerful. You know? And then it, the song says, no turning back, I've been set free. You know, when we've been looking at this whole idea of being joyful, full of joy... That joy comes from him. It comes from Jesus. It comes from, it comes from nothing, nothing else. But if you and I aren't satisfied if, in Jesus, if Jesus isn't enough, yeah, if he isn't enough, not just the knowledge of him, not just I'm walking with him, yes, I know I'm his son, I know, I know I'm his daughter, but if he isn't enough, yeah, because enough, there's a full stop after that. If he isn't enough, if we're not satisfied in him, then we'll never, ever experience the joy that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Because there'll always be something else that will take his place and will rob us of joy. Is that, is that enough? So is Jesus enough for you? Does he satisfy you? you know, I think I'm sharing these words because I'm being challenged. The Holy, Holy Spirit's challenging me. And so I think as a people, we need to challenge ourselves. Psalm 17, 15 says, As for me, I will be vindicated and will see your face. When I wake, I will be satisfied 
with seeing your likeness. It's not a bad psalm. When I wake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Where does he see his likeness? He's going to be, he says, I'm vindicated and I will see your face. So he's got satisfaction because he's going to see the face of the Lord. But then he also says, and when I wake, I'll be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Where do we see the likeness of Jesus? Aren't we transformed into his image, into his likeness with ever-increasing glory? Don't we look into a mirror with unveiled faces? Yeah, yeah. We see his likeness in us the more we're transformed into his image. But if we're not satisfied with him, we'll never be satisfied with us. And if we're not satisfied with us, we can't be satisfied with him because he's living within us. Does that make any sense just to confuse you for a moment? So if eternal life's to know him. And to know him is to be intimate, close, in personal relationship with him, yeah. Then to know him is the only and will only be the way um, for us to be satisfied. In fact, if you look at it back to front, to be satisfied, to be satisfied in Jesus is to know him. To know him is to be in a deep, personal, close, intimate relationship with him. And if you're in a deep, personal, intimate, close relationship with him, then you are walking in eternal life. If you are walking in your eternal life now, then you will be satisfied with Jesus. I'll be satisfied with Jesus and we'll be able to say Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You know, when we're transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory, we'll be satisfied because we're going from glory to glory to glory, strength to strength. So that means that in our best weeks, in our frailest moments, in our greatest despair, anyone had a terrible couple of weeks? Yeah? In those darkest times where we have no answer, can we say Jesus is enough? Can we actually say Jesus is enough? Because I believe in that dark place, Jesus can and is and will always be enough. Will always be enough. But is, is he truly enough for us? Because it's really easy to say it. It's easy to believe it. But when you're asking the question, when you know the doubts and the struggles that each of us have, it's really quite a confronting question. I believe in him, but why am I still struggling in this area if I'm satisfied with him and him alone? Why have I got this tribulation going on in my life, these thoughts running through my head, if he's supposed to be enough for me? You know, Isaiah 55.1 reads, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. Why spend your money on food that does not give strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest foods. In life, we all have a hunger for stuff. You know, we do. Boys like toys. Yeah. They like their sheds, I'm told, here in Ballarat. They like their work tools. They like cars that have got electric windows that work. You know, <laughs> they like cars that have got mag wheels, not plastic hubcaps. You know, we've all got things in life that we, ha we actually naturally hunger for. You know, my wife enjoys clothes. She likes glasses, She's pro as in that she wears on her face. She has four or five pairs, I think. Is that about right? Is that right? Four, three, four? Something like she. You're just going to nod, smiling, giving away all your secrets. I know. We'll go for counselling later. There's things that we all, all in this world, hunger for, rightly or wrongly. And these days, that list seems to grow. 
Our TVs are great, but a slightly slimmer one, higher definition, slightly bigger would be nice. I like the coffee pod machine, but we really don't know how long that coffee's been in that pod, so it's not very fresh. So I really would like a better coffee machine. I don't really want an automatic coffee machine. I think I'd like a manual coffee machine so I'm, I can set to grind and do it. But, you know, our hunger can just go on and on and on and on, you know. I love my husband, but I would really like one that had a six-pack and was taller, had long, blowing hair. No, I'm joking. You know, we've all got things in our life that we're hungry for, good or bad, yeah, that can distract us from the real deal. I love that passage of scripture because it says, why spend your money on food that does not give strength? Why feed yourself things that does not give you strength, that actually costs you something? We work for our money and then we actually satisfy our hunger by buying something, whatever it is, yeah, that ultimately doesn't satisfy our hunger. When, when the writer here in Psalms is saying, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. In other words, come and drink. It's for free. Yeah? It's for free. Come and drink. Come and take your choice of wine and milk. It's for you. Even if you've got no money, even if you don't have a credit card to tap, come and drink. Yeah? If we're hungry, if we're thirsty, we're invited to come and drink and eat of him. In other words, when life is so tough, when you feel like you're starving to death, you know that song, I can't get enough. When we're so thirsty that because we're walking through a wilderness in a season of life that we are so parched and we need a drink, he's saying, come to me, eat of me, drink of me, because I satisfy, I'm enough. John 4, 13 and 15 says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Yeah? The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw. She doesn't even say, Please. She's just found in this moment the pearl of great price. She's just found in this moment the hidden treasure. God, and Jesus is saying to her, if you, if you drank the water that I gave you, you would never be parched again. You'd never be hungry again. You would be satisfied. And she goes, give it to me. Give it to me. Like a child. Yeah? You want the French fry? Give it to me. You know, Give it to me. Give it to me now. She's like, give it to me now. I love that. Because are we people that can say Jesus is enough? And actually live like that he's enough. And actually act and speak behind closed doors, out of the view of our family, like he truly is enough. Is that us? Or are we people that are the opposite? You know, the word tells us that if we drink the water he gives, we will never be thirsty again. We will be satisfied. The word satisfied... um, I've got it in my notes and I won't get there, but um, in, in the actual... Greek, when you break it down, it means appeased. It means completely full. Yeah, that's that's what sati- being satisfied mean means. If you're you're actually living in a place of satisfaction, it means you're totally appeased. You're completely full. And if we drink this water, if we drink of Him and eat of Him, we would be satisfied, appeased, 
completely full. Now, I don't know about you, and I won't do it because my OCD won't let me, but if this bottle was full, completely full, and I tried to put more in there, it can't get in there because it's full. This is telling us that when we eat and drink of Jesus, we are completely full. That's why our cup runs over, yeah? Because we are completely full. There's no room for anything else, yeah? There's no room whatsoever. I love it. Give me this water. Well, that's a pretty bold statement, without a please, really. We're forever correcting our boys. Mel's forever correcting me. Can I have a drink, love? She, please. I was, would have said thank you. You know, like, you know, I'm always like, say please. This water, give me this water. If it's going to quench my thirst, give it to me. If you've ever watched any sort of movie and someone's starving or dehydrated in the desert and they see water or someone brings water, there is no please. Yeah. There is no, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There is no pleasantries. There, there is no, hey, I'd love some of that. Well, you know, you've got flaky skin, you're, you're burnt from the sun, you know, you're looking malnourished like I do. You know, um, it's, there's none of that. It's like, give me this water. In fact, you'd probably, if you had the strength, You'd probably lunge for it. We, without Jesus, have a thirst that cannot be quenched. We have a hunger that cannot be satisfied. But in him we are appeased and completely full. I think the reason that many of us don't ask if Jesus is enough is because it it actually answers in such a way that it shows us where he's not enough in our lives doesn't mean that we're not believers yeah it just means that we have had life knock us about enough in different areas where he was no longer the one that satisfied us we our focus has gone astray so to speak it's really easy to tell hebrews 2 1 we must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So we do not drift away. Just keep that word for a moment. Then Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope, and Jesus is our hope. We have this hope as an anchor, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the sanctuary behind the curtain. Look at the words, anchor and drift. If Jesus isn't our everything, if we're not fully satisfied in him and with him, if he's not our anchor in every moment of every day, in every situation, in every season, if he's not our anchor, then we're going to be prone to drift away. Yeah, I, I, You've got to picture it. You've got an anchor. It's there to keep you firm, to keep you solid, to keep you in place. But if he's not the anchor, if you're a boat in the ocean and you don't have an anchor down to keep you in place, you're just going to drift. You're going to drift in your faith. You're going to drift in the way that you think. You're going to drift totally in such a way that you're going to find you've got doubts in areas that you didn't know you had doubts in. If he's not our anchor through life's troubles, 
We'll find that our faith <laughs> will waver because he's not enough. If he's our anchor, then Jesus is enough. But if he's not our anchor, then we, don't, we won't fully trust him. Yeah? If he's not our anchor, then we won't have that, that blind faith. Is Jesus enough? The woman at the well wanted an anchor. She had lost hope and was looking for hope, a sure hope. I think everyone that's looking for something is looking to have their quenched thirst, to have their hunger thirst, to have their soul satisfied, yeah? And when they find Jesus, when they find the water, when they find the pearl of great price, when they find the hidden treasure, they're prepared to do anything to get it. Nothing's going to stand in the way. You think about it, you find a treasure. If I found $10, now that's probably not enough. If I found a gold bar out there, I'd probably pick it up and walk away. But these people are thinking, I've just found something on this property that is so valuable. I'm going to dig, it. I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to bury it. I'll remember where I put it. And I'm going to buy the whole place because if that's a taste of what he has for me, then I want more. If that's just a little bit of his goodness, his kindness, his grace... Then, then I want more. So I'm going to sell everything I have to get as much and, as I can and more even. They sold everything. That's a, that's a pretty bold move. So is Jesus enough for you? Are you anchored? Do you find yourself in a season where your faith's drifting? I just know that no matter what you go through, whether it's a job loss, whether it's struggles at home, struggles with children, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, I know this, that Jesus satisfies. I know that he's enough. He satisfies our soul. He is our anchor if we let him. You know, Philippians 4, verse 11 reads, Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. We looked at this scripture last week. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, whether it with plenty or little. I love the Message Bible because the Message Bible, part of that reads, I'm just as happy with as little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy. I, I love the word secret, but I love the word recipe because if you've tried something that's any good, a good recipe, don't you ask for it? Seriously, like Mel tried this beautiful coconut, raspberry or blueberry cake at, at Brenda's house one day. So I think it was gluten-free, wasn't it? Just It was all of those other frees and it actually tastes good. Really surprising. Anyway, she liked it so much that she asked for the recipe. So here Paul's saying, yeah, in the message version, I have found the recipe for being happy. When we've got the recipe of being joyful, when we've got the recipe of what it takes for Jesus to be enough, we've got something in our hand that other, other people want. We've got something in our hands that we can actually give to other people. We've got the recipe for them to be joyful, for them to be content, for them to learn how to live in eternal life, yeah? for them to be satisfied, fully appeased, completely full. There's this story, and I'll, I'll read it, of a gentleman by the name of Maximilian Kolbe. He died in 1941. He was a Catholic priest 
And in May 28, 1941, he was transferred to a concentration camp at Auschwitz. During his time there, it reads, he shared his meagre rations of food with those around him who were hungry. Colby had a forgiving heart. He would plead with prisoners to forgive their persecutors and overcome evil with good. A Protestant doctor who treated the patients in Colby's block said that Colby would not let himself be treated before any other prisoners in that block. He sacrificed himself for the good of other prisoners. The doctor said, from my observations, the virtues in this um, servant of God were no momentary impulse, such as are often found in men. They sprang from a habitual practice deeply woven into his personality. Jesus was everything so much that he was going to be Jesus to everybody. Yeah? goes on to say that one day a man in Colby's block escaped. All of the men from that block were brought out into the hot sun, made to stand there all day with no food or drink. At the end of the day, the man who had escaped had not been found. So the Nazi commander told the assembled prisoners that 10 men would be selected to die in the starvation cell in place of the one that had escaped. One man, a Polish sergeant, Francis, and I can't pronounce his surname, was one of those selected. He begged the the commandant to be spared because he was worried for his family. He was pleading with the commandant. Maximilian Colby silently stepped forward and stood before the commandant. The commandant turned to him and said um, contemptuously, what does this Polish pig want? Colby pointed to the Polish sergeant and said, I'm a Catholic priest from Poland. I'd like to take his place because he is a wife and children. The commandant stood silent for a moment. He then nodded, allowing the sergeant to go back to to his place in the ranks and Colby took his place in the starvation bunker. Each day the guards used to come and remove the bodies of those who had died. However, instead of the usual sounds of screaming, all they could hear were the sounds of Colby and the others in the bunker singing hymns and praying. When Colby couldn't speak any longer due to the hunger and lack of energy, he would whisper his prayers. After two weeks, the cell had to be cleared out for more prisoners. Only four prisoners were left and Colby was one of them. They gave him a fatal injection on August the 14th. He paid the ultimate price. Colby had learned what St. Paul meant when he said everything is worthless when compared to the priceless gem of knowing Christ. Knowing Christ means living the Christian life so much so that nothing else matters. Knowing Christ means serving him and those around us, even to the point of losing one's life itself for Christ's sake. So Jesus was enough for Maximilian, totally enough. He was satisfied. Truth is, Jesus is enough. And he has a plan and a purpose for all of our lives, each and every one of us. and, And whatever that plan and purpose is, it can be achieved and we can attain it through him and in him if we are satisfied with him. Yeah? The chorus of that song earlier says, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. But it's this bridge, the bridge of this song that that reminds me of why I went to Bible college. It's the bridge of this song that reminds me why I do what I do. I love Jesus like everybody else loves Jesus. I, I just happen to be called into the priesthood it's not a job for me i'm called and i would hope that every pastor could say the same thing but the the bridge of the song goes i've decided to follow jesus no turning back no turning back the cross before me 
the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. When, when Peter was preaching in front of thousands, Jesus was enough. Yeah? When he was thrown into prison, Jesus was enough. When Stephen was stoned to death, Jesus was enough. When John and Peter were thrown into jail, Jesus was enough. When Paul and Silas confronted the slave girl with a spirit, Jesus was enough. When Paul raised Eutychus from the dead, Jesus was enough. Over and over and over and over for these men and these women of God over the years, Jesus was and totally always is enough. So I ask again today, is Jesus enough for you? Does he satisfy you? That's why we talk about chasing him. He's not running from us, but I want more. I've got all that I can get, but I know there's more because he's bigger than I am. Yeah? He's eternal. He's infinite, but I'm finite. I, I, I want more. That's why we pray. That's why our relationship with him grows. That's why I love our worship team because the worship team, what you guys do, when, you, when you're singing totally abandoned in fear sometimes because there's new songs and will I remember the chords, you're actually stepping into a place that allows us to follow you where we actually open up doorways to the spiritual realm. You can go to churches everywhere and anywhere that they're singing some songs, but you can go to some churches that are out there and ours, I believe, is one of those where we are opening doors to the spiritual realm, where the, spirit, where the angels of God, the, minist the ministering angels come and visit with us. That's why we have tangible things that happen in here at times because we step into this place where we're saying, Jesus is enough, but I want more, yeah? I can't get enough, not because he's not giving us enough. It's because I just want more. You've just got to look at our pups at home. <laughs> this is a really bad analogy at the last minute. But you look at our pups at home with the mother, Coco. Yeah, They want more. She's got heaps to give. They are following her around wherever she goes because they just want more of what she's got. And you know what? They're totally full. Some of them are fat. Yeah? Some of them make me look thin. But they want more of what she's got. For you and I, if Jesus is enough, amen. Are you satisfied in him? Amen. But you know what? We should all say in the same breath, yeah, be able to say, yeah, he is enough, yet he's not enough. I would give everything for him and I will go anywhere for him. I will do everything for more of him. Yeah? That should be every Christian believer's mantra. Each and every one of us, because of what he did on that cross, when we step into our eternal life and that comes real to us, it's like, man, how can we not want more? How can we not be so hungry for him that we want to see ourselves filled and filled to overflowing? Amen? You know, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind him, no turning back. It seems to me that the secret that we were talking about last week in finding, you know, and walking into that joy-filled life, the secret that he's talking about today, the recipe in finding if Jesus is enough, that recipe so that we have the answer to satisfy our souls and quench our thirst is to focus on him. It's because when we focus on him, nothing else matters. Like nothing else matters. When we focus on him, nothing else matters. 
We could be carrying a sickness and I know it hurts and I know the season is tough and it's a trial and it makes no sense. But nothing else matters but him. We could have struggles in our relationship and we're working on those and you're doing all of that stuff that you need to do. But when you focus on him, nothing else matters because he's the one true living God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. Yeah, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. That's him, isn't it? The cross before me, the world behind me. Why don't we just stand? And I'm going to get us to sing um, a, one of the songs, but there's a declaration in it that I, I, I'm going to present. The sun, the moon and stars, Ross, is a declaration. Because if Jesus is enough, that's our declaration. Because when life's getting tough, Jesus should be enough, Yeah. When friends and family ridicule, ridicule you for your faith, Jesus is enough. When giant opportunities present themselves and you're afraid, Jesus is enough. When you think you can't achieve all that you have in your heart, Jesus is enough. When you question your ability as a parent and every parent knows that question, Jesus is enough. You know, when you're promoted at work or get asked to do something that's well and truly outside of your comfort zone and your skill set, Jesus is enough. When your friends disappoint you and hurt you, and all of us have had friends that have done that, Jesus is enough. When life knocks you down, Jesus is enough. You know, Sylvester Stallone says in the, in, um, the last Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa, He's talking to his son and he says to his son, it's not how many times life knocks you down. Yeah, He doesn't even say it's how many times you get back up. It says it's how many times you can, with everything you've got, you can actually get back up and step forward again. This is not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up and step forward with all of your strength. If Jesus is enough, it doesn't matter what we go through. If Jesus is enough, it doesn't matter what it'll cost us. If Jesus is enough, it doesn't matter what I have to sacrifice so that you can experience His love. Because Jesus is enough. He satisfies. I want us as a church to think about that for a moment. And I'm asking them to sing this particular song because this is a declaration. This can be your prayer. It doesn't have to be. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or raise your hands. But if you know that in your life you've drifted, if you know in your life there have been moments that He has not been your anchor, that doesn't mean that you haven't believed. It just means life's just shaking you up a little bit. If you know that that's, that's been there, that's been evident, you've drifted, you've had doubts, then today we're going to say, you know what? The sun, the moon and the stars, they actually declare your glory. They sing of your praise. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to step into that place where you are my everything. I'm going to step into that place where you satisfy me, where you complete me, if you like, where I'm totally full. Because Jesus should be enough. And in fact, Jesus is enough. Amen. So this morning, if you need to declare that over yourself, then sing it with the team. Sing it with the angels that are in the room. Sing it with the people that are next to you that you know that will support you. Sing it with your family, knowing it's going to make a difference today and forevermore. Amen. Sun, moon and stars, shout your name, I give you rest.